This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Custom Inc. is an awesome way to recognize employees, thank customers, and outfit your teams with their favorite products and brands customized with your logo. CustomInc.com lets you make your mark on water bottles, backpacks, polos, jackets, and a ton more. Custom Inc. is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. Oh yeah, and everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Check out what we can do for your business at CustomInc.com. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like Hex has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. Listen to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Hello and welcome to the West Hamway Podcast with myself Dave Walker and XWHU employee. The bubbles are flying high after our first win at Ellen Road for 20 years and those three points have us sitting sixth in the Premier League. All eyes are on David Moyes to see what he would do in the absence of Arthur Mazuaku and once again he delivered. A great team performance that sets us up nicely for Crystal Palace on Wednesday. Lots to discuss as always before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Hamway. X, what a time to be alive. Sixth in the league now after another win, this time away at Leeds. Um, the first thing I noticed was the shot of Bielsa taking the knee. Now, I don't know if anyone else saw this, but I didn't think he'd be able to get back up. He was shaking like a shitting dog. <laughs> <laughs> but he did, he did get back up and he saw his side get off to a good yet controversial start. At that point, were you starting to think this is going to be a long night? Um, it's difficult at the moment because I think with West Ham, like I feel really confident. So I didn't react as much as I think I probably would have in days gone by. Like you know, obviously I was disappointed with the how the penalty came about. You know, terrible control from Alaire and then cut straight through us. Um, uh, and it, and Fabianski obviously brought him down. Then you've got the whole 
VAR rubbish. And you'd think by this point I'd be raging. But I think in my head I always felt like we'll get back into this. And obviously we did. So, yeah, you know, obviously it was a terrible start for us. But actually it's a sign of how far we've come that I felt that we could still get back into the game. Well, we've got to talk about that penalty, haven't we? Because it was wrong on so many levels. I mean, firstly, the fact that the keeper is not allowed to leave his line during the penalty is laughable. I think it was Jimmy Walker who once told me that it's impossible for a keeper to get the agility and the movement that he truly needs to give himself the best chance of saving a penalty. It's such a stupid rule. It's unbelievable. And if that wasn't enough, when the penalty was retaken, I think it was Patrick Bamford was a good six yards inside the box, which again is illegal play. So once again, how between the referee, the linesman, and the stiffs at Stockley Park was that missed? Well, with Bamford, in fairness, apparently, and I must admit, I didn't know this until I questioned it like you have, but apparently if the ball had fallen to Bamford, then he would have been offside uh, or entrenched, encroachment, or whatever the word is. Um, but because the ball didn't go to him, it doesn't matter, apparently. Is that right? the ruling, yeah. So... So I guess that's why that one was. But in terms of the the ruling, I guess the ruling is you you're not allowed to, whether it's right or wrong. The ruling is you're not allowed to leave your line, and technically he did leave his line by like an inch. So I mean, as much as I think you know, I hate VIR probably probably was the right decision. It's the rules this time that are stupid. And I think Peter Cech said something which is quite sensible. He mm-hmm. said, yeah, why doesn't the, the referee draw a line, say half a metre or so, um, in front of the goal line when a penalty is taken with the spray so the keeper can move in that area to get, to get a spring, but he's not coming too far off his line to the fact that he's closing down the angles um, ridiculously. Mm. So I actually agree with that. I think that's the solution. But the Mm. game is just getting so unenjoyable now because every decision that seems to happen, there's like a slot, there's like rules and regulations that stipulate that this can't happen or this can happen. And there's like such small margins between it being a, a, a foul or a penalty or not a, a penalty or not a foul, or not a goal, etc., etc. That it's just getting to the point where no one really understands the rules. And every time someone takes a, a shot or scores a goal or whatever, you always waiting for VAR. You can't have that instant euphoria that you get mm. from from things, because whenever West Ham score, the part of me is thinking, well, what's going to happen? Is it allowed or is it not allowed? And that's really mm. sad that that, you know, that feeling of your team scoring a goal, especially in an important game, is such a magical moment. And I believe that VAR has just, just taken that away now. Well, when it comes to those who make the decision to implement or change rules in football, how many of them have actually played the sport at the top level? I mean, I don't know the answer, but I'm guessing not many, if any. Mm. And that needs to change, I think, because, for example, the most logical solution to that ridiculous penalty rule for goalkeepers has been provided by an ex-goalkeeper in Petcher. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, I, and I thought that was a great solution. Yeah. But, he must have come up with that, having played the game and trying to find a happy medium between the rule and the goalkeeper. And you have to consult ex-players with this kind of thing. I, like I say, I don't know to what degree they do that, if at all. But 
I mean, we had the perfect sport in football, and it just seems like over the years there's been such a slow deterioration of the sport and those euphoric moments, those spontaneous moments, those controversial moments. I mean, I'll be honest, X, I'll take the controversial moments going against West Ham yeah. over the actual technology killing the sport altogether. Yeah, I think I would. Like, you know, I remember days gone by where you'd come home from a match and you'd be so frustrated that the referee was a, you know, a homer, as Ian Wright called them, like, you know, when it always supports the home team. Or, you know, you'd play Man United, Chelsea, whatever, Liverpool. They'd always get the top, the, the, the big decisions and stuff. And you'd think, oh, God, that's so frustrating. But those times that you did beat them, like, it, it may, it, uh, you know, it was so much more fun. Like because even now, yet Liverpool, despite the technology, Liverpool are still getting favourable decisions all the time. So are Manchester United. So it's not like the VAR, which I, I hoped it would do, would balance out the difference between a you know a big side and and the others. It just seems to have given them even more advantages now because even the people that are, are judging the VAR are the ones that like. Um, favor those sides so the mm. decisions even though they should be black and white because that's the whole point of it don't seem to be that way they seem to still favor the big teams yeah yeah i totally agree the unfortunate issue of Mazuraku being out put the gaffer in an awkward position um there was a lot of debate over what he should do going into the game he decided to change the system to a flat back four which also enabled Fornells and benny to start together for the first time and it worked a treat didn't it I mean, you've got to give credit to the manager, mate. I mean, like, you know, when we were discussing it for the for a bit of the bonus content for the Patreons, we were saying, I think I said I'd bring in Glenn Johnson as a, a left wing back. It's a light, so like a light for light for mm. Mazawaku. And from memory, I think you may have said the same. I think you might have agreed with agree. that. Yeah. 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 So, so actually, you know, whether we would have won or not, obviously you can't prove it, but the fact that the manager changed the system to the four at the back, um, brought in Ben Rama into that 10 role, um, and, and we won the game, and we and we played really, really well again. I, I really think we could have won by more, and um, the fact that he's done that is really, really good management, I think. Um, and, you know, I, I like as much as you and I gave him stick for getting the job, because I still believe at the time it wasn't, necessarily the right decision because it did seem to be like a, a, a like a what's it called a cheap option but with hindsight and obviously the benefit of hindsight is huge here but with hindsight it was a brilliant appointment he's done absolutely superb and i think every west ham fan that doubted it has to has to take it back and say yeah they were wrong well he's done wonders for west ham He's done absolute wonders for West Ham. And when I look back at some of the stick that I was giving him personally, I mean, I was quite brutal at times. And we've covered this on a previous show in the sense that I do feel a little bit embarrassed about the things that I said about David Moyes because I was absolutely convinced that he wasn't the man for this job. But, you know, the best part of this season, he's shown me the manager that he convinced me he wasn't going to be. And and I'm quite shocked, if I'm honest. I never could have seen this coming. And everything that David Moyes has done fantastically well at West Ham, and there are so many things, by the way, it's not just a case of finally getting the formation right, knowing your best 11 and getting the result on the day. There are so many elements to the good management of David Moyes. Mm. Um, 
I, I'm just blown away by it, to be quite honest with you. I really am. Mm. And it's not as if he's been given a shitload of money to go to market with and no. build build on the squad with. You know, he's he's just he's he's been fantastic. And the players, I mean, I think you look at that Leeds game, right? It's the first time we've won there since the year 2000. And I think the West Ham of old would have gone on to lose that game. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that the new West Ham under David Moyes has so much self-belief, so much confidence, and they play with such enjoyment. And do you know what? There seems to be such a real togetherness amongst those players on and off the pitch. And you can't put a price on that. But collectively, we have this never-say-die attitude. And until the last ball is kicked on a match day, we are grafting for each other. And it is just an absolute joy to watch. And these players, just they just seem to be a different breed to the players that we've had over the last four years. You know, it, it seems like somehow David Moyes has managed to get those players to leave their egos at the door and forget the pay packets they're earning. These players are playing to win and they're playing for each other. And again, it it has to come back to the manager. You know, you can criticise the players all you want, collectively or individually, but the man that sits at the very top and makes those players ticks and picks the formation, works them individually on the training pitch when it comes to football and off the pitch psychologically, everything that goes into management, he's getting spot on at the moment. And I, for one, am surprised. And, and I'm buzzing for him because for West Ham to have a British manager taking us to where he's taking us and there's a long way to go but watching West Ham is enjoyable again and it just feels like we can beat anyone at the moment it's such a good feeling I mean, I think he's done so many things well. Um, if you look at the backroom staff, I think the appointments there have been huge. You yeah. know, you've got Kevin Nolan in who works with them on sort of movement and positioning and set pieces. Apparently, he's a lot behind the set piece uh, pieces. And we've got we've scored the most goals from set pieces out of ever, um, any Premier League team. So, we behind Chelsea. I think only Chelsea have scored more. Are you sure? I thought we overtook them because of the goals at the weekend. Oh, possibly. Uh, possibly, yeah. If it came down to the weekend, it might have changed. Because Everton didn't score, did they? And then we scored... I mean, sorry, Chelsea didn't score against Everton. And then we scored both both our goals were set pieces, weren't they? Oh, yeah. You could well be right, mate. You could well be right. So, yeah, anyway, well, who knows? But either way, we're close. And so he's been working on those. So you've got an ex-player that was the captain of the side. And, you know, like... We he got he didn't make it completely in management. Obviously he got sat from Leighton Orient, which apparently at the time was really harsh. Then he did a good job for Notts County, but then off the field stuff meant he got sat there. So he was beginning to carve out a bit of a reputation as a decent football manager. And then you've got Nevin, who was really highly rated coach and has come with a lot of respect to the coaching world. You've got Stuart Pierce, who's obviously an England legend and has and has played for West Ham as well. So he's there to shore up the defense. Fence. And then you've got people that um, Moyes worked with all of his career at Everton, like um, Irvine, who he, who he can trust and knows um, knows him and his style so well. So I think that was brilliant. The signings he, he's made has been superb. You look at Suchek. Suchek looks 
worth far more than what we paid for him. You know, wouldn't we pay mm. for him 15, 16 million? You know, I wouldn't want anything. No way would I want anything less than 30 million at a minimum for him now. You know, I think, you know, to get a midfielder like him that scores so frequently and offers so much going up and down the pitch, uh, great signing, you know, Shafal, you know, no one had ever heard of him really. Like stuck in at right back, looks really, really solid now. Really, I really like him. I feel like he's a steady Eddie. Like I don't feel any threat with him in the side. Um, you know, Bowen, what a signing Bowen's been. You know, I think he looks brilliant. Uh, ben Rama, I thought, I thought looked class on um, Friday. Um, and then you've got Randolph, who's a decent backup keeper. Um, so he's bought really well. But the thing for me, which is the most impressive and the most significant, is that he's turned around players that look like they were on the way out and that their careers were over at West Ham into looking brilliant. Again, Aaron Cresswell, Balbuena, Antonio, you know, those three players alone um look million times better than what they were looking mm. previous and um i think i think i like how he handles himself in interviews you know he he's honest um he has the respect of the players the players love him i just think he's done a really really good job mate i mean that performance against leeds you know despite the early setback was superb we could have won by three or four goals mm, we could have and it's no secret that he is one of, if not the hardest working manager in the game as well. He's certainly yeah. the hardest working manager we've had at West Ham yeah. under the new owners. There's yeah. no question about that whatsoever. And hard work obviously pays off. And you're right, behind the scenes, he's done so much. But on a match day, the fundamentals are right. The formation is right. And we seem to now have a secondary option. You know, I think we was all panicking. I know I certainly was when we changed to a flat back four. That yeah. instantly dropped my confidence because um, the, the, the the back five were doing so well. And I thought yeah. it was going to really upset the apple cart. But we didn't. So it now seems that we've got a bit of versatility to our formations now as well, which is really good. Mm. Um the selection, I, I can't argue with his decision-making in that respect. The players are disciplined. Their fitness looks on point. And the intensity and their self-belief. And that's why West Ham are so hard to beat these days. We can beat anyone. I genuinely believe that. And that's why I try not to get carried away because there is still a long way to go. But I just feel it in my waters that we could seriously have a good season this year and do good things. But it's just, it's whether we get a bit of luck in terms of injuries and suspensions, because we haven't yeah. got the biggest ones. Yeah. Um, and, and just keeping that level of consistency. And, you know, a lot of people were saying that David Moyes, despite a really good win against Lee, was actually quite negative on his post-match interview. Yeah. But I think with his experience, he's just trying to keep those players grounded. Agree. I, I think he, he he doesn't want them to get carried away, and I think he's really trying, if anything, too hard just to guard against complacency. And I don't see that as a bad thing. No, I don't. I don't see it as a bad thing at all. I think you're right. They need to not get carried away with themselves and keep being motivated. I agreed with what he said at the end of the day. I thought Ben Rama was sensational. I, I, it's the first time a player I've like that's come in and is new and has got me really that excited since probably Pye, where yeah. you, where he was like dribbling, taking people on. And I, but I think he was right. There was a couple of times he should have passed and he didn't. And it's all, it's all, you know. You need to say that. You know, maybe you don't need to say it at a press conference necessarily, but they're right. He should have, he should have passed him. Declan a couple of times was free that he could have been passed to. Um, and I also agree with the, about Hilaire. I, I, 
Hilaire was better in the second half, don't get me wrong, but I, I thought his first half was one of the worst performances I've seen in ages. He was a lot better in the second half, don't get me wrong. And I thought, okay, he's playing all right now. The first half was terrible. And I agree, say that. You know, these people... you. Like, yes, you need to try and build up their confidence and stuff, but you also need to get them to think before they get carried away or think to maybe change their ways. So I actually like how he talks. You know, we've had managers in the past that would refuse to criticise their own players and it never worked for us. I, I, I quite like the way he talks about the players and stuff. And I think at the end of the day, whatever you may think of his post-match interviews or his strategies and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He currently has West Ham sitting sixth in the Premier League, five points off top spot. Now, if we'd got the the rub of the green against a few teams, Manchester United, they scored a goal with the ball went out for a throw-in, which changed the game. Liverpool got a, a very, very, very soft penalty. Mm. Salah dived. We should have done better against Arsenal. From memory, there seems to be something slightly dodgy about one of their goals and I know we got a bit of luck against them so Aston Villa and Fulham a little bit but and it does kind of even itself out but still in terms of performances the only performance where we've been totally outplayed and looked rubbish was the first game of the season you know, against Newcastle, uh, since then we've been playing really, really well, and there's no one that I particularly fear. You know, we've played no. top, we've, we've played Tottenham, who are top of the league, drew three all with them. You know, Chelsea and Liverpool are up there. You know, we could have got a result against them. Drew against. Um, you know, uh, who else is up there? Leicester up there, aren't they? Beat Leicester, sorry. Yeah. Uh, beat Leicester. We haven't played Southampton yet from memory, have we? Um, so, no, Chelsea, we we um, haven't played yet. But I don't, I don't like, but we beat them towards the end of last season. There's no teams at the moment I look at and think, you know, I fear them. We should have beaten Arsenal. We should have beaten Manchester mm. United. But we're just we're just doing really, really well. And it's lovely to feel so positive about it. You know, as we were discussing off air, 2020 has been, and I, I'm going to say it, the shittest year of my life. But oh, yeah. actually, actually, West Ham is is the sort of the shining light at the moment. And for that to happen, it's just such a rarity because it, it doesn't usually. So... No, enjoy right. it while it lasts. That's right. I mean, we're, we're entertaining to watch, enjoyable yeah. to watch. And and those are two descriptions I would pin against Ben Rama on Friday. And you're, you're quite right. He reminds me a little bit of Paye in terms of his confidence on the ball, his skill. Uh, I love watching him play. And do you know what? I mean, it's the first time he started for West Ham. But even when he's come on previous to that, he just looks excited to play. He's like a little puppy dog. And what I love about him and why I think he's going to be a success at West Ham is that he doesn't look overwhelmed to have made the step up to the Premier League. He just looks so determined to get on and enjoy his football and make a name for himself in that division. And that's why I think psychologically he's the difference between someone like Philip Anderson, for example, who's got the talent but doesn't have the psychological strength. Mm. I honestly think Ben Rama will have, unless he, he does a U-turn like Anderson did, which I just can't see happening, I really think we can see good things from him. And his agility is incredible. I mean, it's a nightmare for defenders. Mm. The way he changes direction on a sixpence is incredible. And he's got the ability to nick a yard or two for himself so quickly. But you can't underestimate 
that yard or two that you get because in key areas, that's when you can get your crossing or your shot in. And I really think we're going to see goals from him. I think we're going to see assists from him. And he just looks like he's enjoying his football. And I enjoy watching him. I think he's so entertaining to watch, you know? I agree. And it's exciting to have a player that can actually dribble, you know, yeah. actually dribble and take people on. Because let's be honest, if you think about entertaining things in football, obviously great goals are the, are the most obvious one. You know, a sliding, crunching tackle, although those have been taken out of football a lot recently. Um, if you think about what excites you at a football match, a player beating someone with a bit of skill is right up there. And he, and some of the stuff he was doing in that game showed that his dribbling ability is fantastic. And I think he's going to really, really entertain us. And he looks like he wants to play for us, that he really is determined to do well. Um, and he, yeah, his performance was a real, a real, plus for me. I mean, every there was so many pluses from the game, but his was definitely a plus for me, but rightly so. The only thing I would criticise is a couple of times he got carried away and made the wrong decision, shot when he should have passed. And I think Moyes is right to point that out. And it will come. You know, he's not played mm. the Premier League before he joined us. Uh, he's still relatively young. Um, it will come, but it's good to try and get it to come sooner rather than later, obviously. Yeah, I totally agree. In hindsight, do you think, as a fan base, we overreacted with the sale of Dean Garner? Um, that's a good question. I didn't see that one coming. Um, uh, probably, yeah. Probably looking mm. back at it now, because at the end of the day, would he be in the team? Possibly, you could argue, being in stuff for nails. But... We've got Ben Rama now. He probably did overreact, and he's not exactly tearing up trees at West Brom at the moment, is he? I mean, I think he scored one good goal, has he, against Everton or somebody? I can't remember. But um, other than that, I, I don't really hear anything of him at the moment. And, you know, we got a decent a decent fee for him. And um, so maybe maybe we did overreact. I mean, I think the fact is, you know, I've just had a look at West Brom's team. He was on the bench and didn't even get on on, sat- on Saturday. So, mm. you know, <laughs> and that's a struggling, struggling Premier, Premier League team. And he, mm. can't get, he can't get into their team. So, yeah, I think the, the main thing was if he, if he was just a player that we had signed from someone else and was as good as he was, perhaps the fans wouldn't have overreacted, wouldn't have reacted in the way that they did. But I think because he was an academy graduate, that kind of mm. intensified the feeling more so. It did. It did, yeah. And it was um, it was during a time where, you know, tensions were high as well. I mean, tensions have been high with the board for a long time now, but, but yeah. we certainly wasn't enjoying a rich vein of form like we are now. And it is a results-based business. I'm not saying for one second that even if we win the league, people are going to like the board. Um, you know, results don't change everything, but essentially it's a results-based business. And by that, I mean, you know, Dean Garner, for example... I think when you look back, I mean, if if you was to have the option now as to who you would have tomorrow, Dean Garner or Ben Rama, albeit it's just a handful of games from Benny, I'm pretty sure you and most West Ham fans would take Ben Rama. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then you could argue it's a decent bit of business because ultimately, you know, we're we're, um, we're obligated to buy, and when we do buy, I think we're only going to have spent seven million pound net from Grady going the other way. So you could argue, actually, it's it's good business. Um, and I don't, I don't think we've missed him at all. And I think when you're at Premier League level, 
you from academy graduates you have to look at who is going to make it not just make the numbers up but who is going to make it who is good enough to be the next jewel to come from this academy and by that i'm talking in and around declan rice type quality you know, someone that can come in, not only hold their own, but continue to develop and actually be one of the standout players. And and I'll tell you what, for any club in the Premier League, it's not easy to produce a player from your academy to do that. But I do believe with some of the really good signings we've made, and you mentioned them earlier on, we can afford to lose academy players at this stage if we genuinely don't feel that they've got what it takes to be at that level. And I think a lot of this comes with the benefit of hindsight. Because at the time, I was raging that, that Grady went. You know, for, for the same reasons you mentioned. You know, he, he looked promising. He had a good season in the championship. We were weak in that area of the pitch. Um, but I don't know, looking back, I, I, West Ham have just filled me with surprises. And that's one of them, really, that we can just so quickly bury that anger towards the sale of Grady over excitement of what Benny can bring to the side, you know? Mm. I, I do want to jump back to Hilaire quickly, because interestingly, Seb got mixed reactions after his performance, and it was it was baffling, really, just to see how divided the fans were. I know they can be about him, generally speaking, but specifically on that performance. I, mean, I, I totally agree. First half, I thought, was a shower of shit, if I'm honest. It, probably his worst performance in a West Ham show. Well, it was awful, mate. Right? Yeah. I can't see how, how anyone could say any positives from it. He gave a ball, the ball away continuously. Mm. If you watch that game back, he miscontrolled things, gave it away, missed chances he should have done better with. I mean, people say that header was unlucky because the defender got in the way. No, it, it would have gone into the ground and bounced up and the keeper would have saved it if the defender hadn't been in the way. It was a, it was a terrible first half, I would say. Yeah, and yeah, I agree that it was an improvement on the second half. But yeah, overall, much better. overall, with you saying much better, so how then would you rank his overall performance taking into account the first and second half? Still poor. <laughs> because mm. the thing is, like, you can say much better, but that's much better when you're talking of like a, almost a, if you were to give a score out of 10, you're giving him a minus one. You know, I thought he was that bad first half and he was a lot better second half. But I, I still just don't know. I just don't, I'm just not convinced of him. And I, I've never, ever known a player to be like this, to to have, to to be like a 45 million, 45 million mate price tag on him and to get, not get away with, but like play how he plays. And some people argue it's not a lack of commitment. It's not a lack of passion. That's just his persona. But either way, he gives off a persona that he doesn't care that much. I, I just don't, I've just never known a player to be able to buy themselves so much time, um, and especially someone where they shouldn't be able to. You know, if you're a youngster and you've come from abroad and you're trying to be, learn the game in England and build up your reputation, then you buy them some time. This is your forty-five million pound forward. Like, mm -hmm. how long do you give him? Like, I, I honestly think if Antonio had been playing that game, he would have got a couple of goals. The service is there now, so mm -hmm. you can't use that excuse because we score. Regularly, we, I mean, I can't even remember the last time we didn't score a goal. Where was it? Was it? Was it Man City? Or was it, no, that was we scored in that game? I can't even remember the last time we didn't score a goal oh, yeah. off the top of my head. Um, so, uh, 
So the fact of the matter is there is chances there. And so you can't blame that now. And now the, the Allaire Colts are saying that, oh, um, he's still playing well. It's just that he seems to get excused for everything. That said, we have no other options. Going into the Palace game on Wednesday, he has to start for me. I wouldn't. I would play him again. And you just have to say to him, come on, Seb, let's, let's get a goal today. Let's really, really go for this and get a goal now and just try and build his confidence up because this is where I believe we're going to become unstuck if we're going to if anything this season because Antonio as has been proven hamstrings are shot to pieces he's never ever going to be able to manage two or three months I don't think continuously playing um, and then your only other backup option is Alea who is, is very very inconsistent more on the poor side I would say than the good side but he's obviously got talent there because he's scored regularly for decent teams and stuff and he shows he shows glimpses of it. I mean that overhead kick was good. You know, if that had gone in we'd all been raving about it and the cult would have been up in all would have been like all over Twitter. But it, it's it's just um it's just frustrating. And I, we have to, in my opinion, sign a third striker in January. Yeah, well one thing I find interesting is that a handful of ex pros have come out and not said very nice things about Halea. Now, I mean, Frank on last week's Extra Time show, I think, alluded to the fact that he demands a lot more from Halea. And, well, and I, I think he's quite him. confused. I, I text him. I, I don't usually do that, but I actually text Frank during the game at half time. And I said, mm. Frank, honestly, are you watching the game? And he said, yeah. I said, honestly, give him, give me your verdict on Halea. I said, I'm not going to say my opinion. Give me your verdict on that half. And it's not fair for me to repeat what he said, but no. put it this way, it wasn't complimentary. No, he, he doesn't. He doesn't rate him. Let's just be honest. I mean, I think he pretty much stated that on last week's show as well. When there have been some other pros that um, have we've had off the record conversation uh, conversations with that have said the same thing. Uh, so it's just interesting to to get the take of people that have been there and done it and played the game. And so far, a hundred percent of those handful of people we've spoken to all agree that he's not good enough. Um, so that that's interesting. I mean, again, you know, I, I still probably give him a little bit more time than you do. Um, well, I will give him more time, mate. See, I like I, I think he we 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 don't have an option anyway. We can't no. sell him till January anyway. We don't have any other options. So continue to play him. Continue to give him support. Back him. I hope he starts scoring goals. Like I keep saying, there's. I would love him to score goals if he's as good as people tell me he is, and that he's as you know as good as like maybe his goals in Germany and Holland and stuff will suggest. Then I want him to be that good for us. Why wouldn't I? So yeah, I just, I yeah, just, yeah. I'm totally. Yeah, I would oh, say. I know, I know what you. I think what you want and what you think are two different things. Because yeah, you know, exactly. as West Ham fans, we all want him to do well, but everyone's entitled to their opinion as to whether he will or not. I mean, I've got to be honest. I'm, I'm left in limbo with him. You know, I, I was all for giving him the benefit of the doubt. I haven't been massively disappointed with his performances so far. If I'm honest, I think I've probably seen arguably more from him than you have. Maybe I don't know. So maybe I'm more on the support inside than not, but Friday just wasn't good enough. However, however, having said that about the ex pros that gave their opinions, there was one ex pro who was quite supportive of him. And that was David Cross. And, and in his opinion, he said that he needed a little bit more luck in the game. 
He still always wanted the ball. He never went hiding, even though things weren't going his way. And he was always looking to try and make a change in the game, which suggests that he's got the right attitude. He wants to win and maybe just needs a little bit of the, the rub of the green. I mean, what do you think of that opinion? Uh, I respect David Cross. We've had him at our events a couple of times. He's a really nice guy, really good football footballer, probably criminally underrated as a West Ham forward. People don't realise how many goals he scored for us in, in games and stuff. And obviously played the 1980 Cup final and played for some top teams. So I'm not one to sit here and criticise his opinion. You could say that he was unlucky. The overhead kick was unlucky. He's right. He didn't give up. He was still showing. And the fact that I have already said, I thought he had a better second half than first half shows that he didn't let it sort of get to him. And he carried on and, and performed um so f- fair enough but you know i i agree like in, in, i hear what he's saying i mean but I, I just i don't know if this was an academy graduate things would be different if this was a two million pound signing from you know sweden or somewhere fine mm. but I know he can't set his own price tag, so I'm not holding that against him. But we paid £45 million for this. I expect more. I expect more for £45 million. And Nicky Hawkins um, of West Ham Fan TV did a tweet yesterday, I think, and he said something like, I don't care how much you love Hilaire and how good he is. I mean, my opinion is that he's no good. And I'm not going to go as far as to say that. I'm not going to go around and say he's no good. Full stop. I think he hasn't performed as well as a, as some West Ham fans try to tell you. And I think he, um, I think he will hopefully, hopefully prove me wrong. But at this point, no, I don't. I don't think it. But I don't. Don't know. Maybe we should move on. And speak about Hale a lot. Yeah. No, I think it's fair. I mean, it, it's 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 just so topical because mm. you know, of all the players that we've got and so many players that are overperforming, I don't think I've ever seen so much focus put on a player that's underperforming positively. If that makes sense. And yeah. you, you call them the Hale cult. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I suppose there is an element of that. But um, it's, ju- it's just interesting, and especially because you had the comments from Crossy, and I was interested to get your thoughts on, on his performance against Leeds with it being so split, seemingly, on social media. But mm-hmm. one player who is constantly performing is Thomas Suchek. I mean, in your opinion, just how good is he? I thought you were going to say Declan Rice then. Um, well, that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's sort of said to you before. Do you know what? There are some shows where I actually forget to talk about him because you just know what you get from Declan week in, week out. He is just world-class. I don't care what anyone says. Fuck all this potential bollocks. People put that tagline against him all the time. If Declan was 27 and playing exactly the way he's playing now, he would be he would be labelled as world-class. But it's because he's young and it's because he plays for West Ham that, and, and it's because people outside of West Ham don't watch him and don't understand just how good he is that people are reluctant to, to give him that label. But he is world-class. And, and he's a steady 8, 9, sometimes 10, well, a lot of the time, 10 out of 10 every single week. And, and you know, his partnership with Tom, for me, is, is you know, I know it's a bold statement. I'm, off the top of my head, I'm struggling to find a better central midfield partnership than those two in the Premier League. Yeah, I agree. And 
Uh, you know, obviously I predicted this would happen happened to Declan about four years ago. So for me to feel that he has lived up to what I build him up and the amount of times people like used to say, he's not going to shag you, X. And uh, you were wrong on that as well. No, I mean, uh, but he, yeah, like, uh, but he just, I just knew he would do it, not just because of the ability he had, but because of the mentality he had as well, which I think is so important. But I thought he completely dominated Phillips, which again is a pathetic thing from a from a club that's got one good player that they're trying to big up more. De- Declan's the benchmark for any de- midfielder. Now that other clubs can try to compare their players to English players to, and it's just it's just not comparable. Phillips is twenty five. He's played what? Well, he's only played this season in the Premier League. Um, yes, he seems a decent ish player, but he's not in Declan's league. That's obvious. Neither's Longstaff. You know, look what's happened to Longstaff since. You know, and it's just it's just pathetic. These comparisons, Declan, as you said, if he was twenty seven, he would be world class. He is world class. Um, he could play for any club bar maybe the very top ones but even then I think he could probably do a good job for them certainly could be a good player for them to have on the bench and in a few years would be a regular for them so the world's his oyster as was shown on Saturday night when he's hanging around with uh, Joshua and Mayweather and stuff so you know (laughs) the boy's got up in got up Mm. in uh, class from uh, you know I remember when we when I first sort of communicated with him he had about 800 followers on twitter and no one really knew who he was and in that short space of time look at him now uh so it's pleasing to see and uh he deserves it because he's a really nice lad as well but back to the original question of suchek again what a bargain i mean he mm. he is like the equivalent of what Moyes had in fellaini but dare i say it he is better than fellaini you know he i mm. think fellaini offered a a lot in the opposition's box, which Suchek does, but he offers all-round play as well. And what I really like, and I retweeted this um, yesterday or whenever, is that him and Shafal have to have a photo of each other with his, with their arms around each other at every away game they play it seems it's literally <laughs> like they're just loving life, like two mates mm. you know, done well played together at, in in the Czech Republic, moved to England, loving life, like want to get as many memories as they can. And he's just, it's just very, very, he seems very likable. And also he's just a very good player. I mean, he's such a threat from corners and, and free kicks and stuff. And, yeah. you know, like every time the ball goes into the box, I think we're so dangerous because you throw him into it, you throw Declan into it, Ogbonna into it, Balbuena into it, Hilaire should be as well. You know, like those players just offer us such threats from set pieces, hence why we've got more goals from set pieces than anyone else. And I think he's just a fantastic signing. Uh, like, you know, he, him and Rice seem to work perfectly together. Like, Rice is your more defensive midfielder, although he did some really good breaking through from midfields, I thought, against Leeds. Uh, you got Suchet, you kind of your box-to-box, and then it allows someone like Ben Rama to be your, your flair mid, central midfielder. Um, and I just think, yeah, what a sign what a signing he's been incredible player and you know it's funny you know when we signed him I looked at his goal scoring record and I thought there'd been some sort of mistake because yeah, for I a defensive yeah. midfielder mm. it didn't make sense for him uh, to score then I thought oh, he must be on penalties and then I realised he wasn't now seeing his time at West Ham it totally makes sense I mean yeah. you would be petrified as a manager or a defender 
conceding a set piece against West Ham these days. Yeah. I mean, it's it's factual anyway, the fact that we've scored more from set pieces than anyone else. But if you look at the lumps we've got in there, but also Suchik might be tall, but he's also got a leap on him. So the and advantage he's, he's got... Well. He is brave. You're absolutely right. He is brave. So he ticks every box in that sense. And yeah. as long as the delivery is right and it's there or thereabouts for Tom, he's going to score more than he don't. I mean, he, he, I, I'm just absolutely blown away by him. And again, we've we've plucked him out of nowhere. I mean, I'd never heard of him. No. Shufal, I thought, was different class again. I mean, yeah. since he's come in against Leicester, I mean, the, I think that his debut against Leicester from memory, I'm pretty sure that was on a Sunday and he'd play in the Champions League for Slavia Prague on the Wednesday, I think. Yeah, something like um, that, yeah. And, and you'd have thought that he he would just been training solidly and, and had been playing for West Ham all season when he came in. I mean, again, how many times have we said in this podcast that attitude is more important than ability? Yeah, a million um, times, yeah. It, it, it really is. And with, with losing players like... Jack Wilshere and Carlos Sanchez and Philippe Anderson and players like that and replacing them with absolute workhorse grafters and people that care and people that respect the badge on their chest and are, are grateful for the opportunity and want to grab it with both hands and, and just enjoy life at West Ham. You talk about the likes of Jarrod Bowen, Thomas Suchek, Shufal. You know, those boys have come in and it, it rubs off on the rest of the team. If you've got people in that side that are giving their heart and soul... It's infectious. Mm. And and if they get on off the pitch as well, you you want to win together as a team. And if that team loves the manager, you know, it's no secret really as to why West Ham are doing so well. If you un, un, unravel it like we are now, there's so many different reasons as to why mm. we're doing so well. But certainly the permanent signing of Thomas Suchek is right up there for me. Definitely. What I thought was a real indication of how good the team spirit was is that when Ogbonna um, scored his goal, if you look back at the clip, they're all kind of huddled together and kind of four nails breaks off a bit because he's kind of done his hugging, so to speak, and Declan kind of calls him back in and they all have like every player bar Fabianski in this like group hug for the goal and that's what it feels like. You know, I in the past, you know, it's, it's not a secret. I know a few people in and around the training ground. In the past, I've said to some of them like, you know, oh, how's everyone get on? And they're like, oh yeah, they get on but this player's a bit of a prick or don't yeah. they don't really like this player or that one's this. They don't say that anymore. I, I honestly haven't heard any player recently in the current squad that we've got be slagged off. Like they, every player there, everyone likes. You know, even if you go back to like Martin, the third keeper, everyone loves him. You know, you look at some of the players that aren't in the team yet, but are loved. Snodgrass, everyone loves Snodgrass. Noble, like Mr. West Ham, everyone loves him. You know, like you go through that team, Yarmolenko is really popular. You know, it, like every single one of those players. It, it is liked and I think that really really helps you know it really helps like they all feel part of a team together and you know you've got players that want to be there you know if you go through the squad you know you've got Fabianski who's been there a few years that came from Swansea so he's had and re- rejected by Arsenal so he's had to prove himself Shafal playing in the Czech League all his life you know wants to prove himself Balbuena playing in South America want to prove himself okay Bono came from Juventus in Italy but how good was he on Saturday, uh, Friday, sorry, arguably the man of the mm. match for me. You know, Cresswell came from Ipswich, Bowen came from Hull, Suchet came from um, Slavia Prague, Rice from the Academy. You know, 
you go through all of that team, Antonio from the lower leagues, Bar Alea, and possibly Fornells, who are arguably the two, in my opinion, players whose position is under threat at the moment, are the only ones that have came from and of Bonner are the only ones that have came from bigger clubs or clubs that they're not trying to sort of prove themselves from, so to speak. And and that is what we've said is a key thing. You know, if you're looking at signing the best players from the championship or signing a player from the from from Europe that's trying to prove themselves, that is better. And as I always say to you, if you look at the England team, most of that squad has come through a lower team and then been bought by a bigger team. You know, like right through it from Pickford to Harry Kane. I know Harry Kane was at, has been at Tottenham all of his career, but he's had loan spells at Leighton Orient, at Norwich. You know, it's taken graft for them to get where they've got. Mm. And you're right about camaraderie. I mean, it's everything. And there's a couple of things I'll say now. I mean, firstly, whenever we've had ex-pros that have been part of that famous 86 season or the 1980 Cup final season, whether it's been on the podcast or at the events or off the record telephone conversations, as soon as you ask them why we were so successful that year, the first thing they'll tell you is we had a great group of lads. Yeah. But they all say it. Every single one of them, no matter who they were in the squad, who you speak to, they all start with that. Fundamentally is the most important thing. They all loved each other, respected each other and wanted to do well for each other. And, and, that is a timeless quality to have in a football squad. I mean, I remember, you know, some of the, the, the times we've been struggling since leaving the bowling ground. And um, I can't remember if, if we actually discussed this on the podcast, whether this was a behind-the-scenes bit of info or not. But, you know, I remember being told, as you were, that there were certain cliques in the dressing room where, you know, your African players, for example, would typically stick together and only really socialise with each other and, and they'd all be sitting together in the dressing room. Then your English players possibly would do and then a couple of Italian players would do. And there was no unity. And and it's it's things like that that can really cause damage, you know. But we don't seem to have that now. We seem to have that togetherness and everyone works for each other on the pitch. They love each other off the pitch. And like I've said already two or three times, they all love the manager and what a fantastic job he's been doing. So we're ticking so many boxes. I, I, I've got to finish on the manager scored the winning goal, which was Ogbonna. I mean, he's just been phenomenal. And we talk about the, the top performers in the side. I mean, Ogbonna, it's really interesting because not too long ago, West Ham fans most of them, I'd say, on social media were saying that he's finished, he's had his day, he's shit, you know, why is he starting, etc., etc. And I remember that period as well. Um, and since then, really, he's just like a phoenix from the flames because we talk about Declan being so consistent week in, week out. Oggy is too, to a point where I'm not sure at this stage I can look past him for Hammer of the Year, you know. Yeah, I agree. What what a couple of seasons he's had now, because obviously he was runner-up last year. He's yeah. just revelational. Um, he's a, again really good leader. I think at the back line, I think he's he speaks to his experience. He like marshals the defense superbly again. A likable lad, a, a uh, solid, really solid. A threat from set plays. Yeah, I, I think he was 
it was very hard for me to pick between him, Rice, and Ben Rama for man of the match against Leeds. I think yeah. I'm going to rule out Ben Rama because there was a couple of things I thought he could have done differently. Um, and that leaves it very close between Rice and Ogbonna. And, and that seems to be the case all the time now. He's just Mr. Consistency. And yeah, I agree with you. If you... If you choose Hammer of the Year right now, it's a very, it's very, very hard because you've got like I think you could argue Chaffel's coming done brilliantly, even though he's only played half the season. You could argue that Cresswell. I mean, mm. what a turnaround from him, you know. He and the reason we're doing he scored so many from set plays. I'd like to see actually how many of the free kicks or corners have been his because he's certainly been involved in a large percentage of them. Then you got right and you got Bonner, sorry, you got Rice, you got Suchek, you got Antonio, Bowen. You know, there's lots of contenders for who could be who could be the Harry of the Year. As I said, the only two players for me that there are question marks over the selection and I could understand them being dropped or not bit or or maybe the manager making a change is for nows and Hilaire. I think they're the I think they're the only two whose performances haven't been continuously up to the standard that, that we expect. And I think Fornells is a decent little player, but I, I don't know recently if he's been performing as as well as he as he can. I think if we was to go back to a back five, um, I would be disappointed to see Fornells in over Ben Rama. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I think that's the decision he's going to have to make soon because, you know, will he, he may go back to about five against Crystal Palace. I think he's under the impression that um, certain formations work better for certain teams. If it was me, I would keep the same team um, that started against Leeds. I'd go yeah. exactly, exactly the same team. The only thing maybe, maybe you could argue, but even then I'm not... I'm not convinced, is that if you had Lanzini instead of Fornells, possibly on, on the, coming in from that left side, but I'm not convinced by that, so I would go with the same team again. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Because it is quite an attacking formation, really, and I, I, that's the sort of setup that I think would work really well at home. Mm, um, exactly. A bit of trivia for you, mate. We've only beaten Leeds once in the last 10 meetings at Ellen Road. When we did back in the year 2000. Do you know who scored the winner? I do. I remember do. it very well. I remember yeah, I'm it very well. I'm not surprised, you know. You're like yeah. a fucking stato, you are. Come on, mate. Who was <laughs> oh, it? Mate, I'm a stato when it comes to things that happened <laughs> 20 years ago. I can't, remember, I can't remember the game that happened last week, but the, the game that happened 20 years ago, I can remember it like that. It was yeah. Nigel Winterburn, and, well and, and it was a header, and I can remember the goal so well. He just kind of like snuck in from nowhere and sort of, yeah, put it, put it away. And, you know, like... Like I said, that's a long time to, for us to have not won there. In and such a shame that we couldn't go to that game would have been such a good away day. That I like Leeds. As I said, I haven't been there since. I can't remember, but I I remember um, Lee Chapman. Like I said last week, was playing for Leeds and got sent off uh, against us, having played. Having it was after he'd left us, so his second spell. Um, against us so i'm just quickly quickly googling lee chapman red card west ham see if it will quickly tell me um but it, it hasn't but um if i look at lee chapman's wikipedia he played his second spell at leeds in 1996 and he only played two games for them so that must have been that must have been the last time i went 1996 so i would have loved to love to have gone to that game oh yeah Without a doubt, that'd have been a good weekend away. That it uh, would have. definitely. 
Uh, Crystal Palace on Wednesday. You've got to fancy that, and yeah, surely. Um, I think so. Crystal Palace are very inconsistent, and obviously they've got Zaha and Eze, who are two very um, exciting sort of attacking players. So that'll be a real test for our defence. Um, that said, though, I think we, I think we've got to, we've got to look for the win there, definitely. I think we're going to have too much for them. But then again, honestly, when it comes to West Ham, I, I can't find my arse with both fucking hands when it comes to predicting their score. Honestly, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And um, we'll come on to that in just a second. I mean, on the predictions league, every time I predict us to win, we fucking lose. Every time I predict us to lose, we win. So I think we're going to stick to keep predicting the fact that we're going to lose. But, but on that note, let's reluctantly have a look at the West Ham Way Premier League predictions competition. And I say reluctantly because it was my turn to have a shocker this weekend. I actually finished on minus, <laughs> fucking minus six <laughs> points, which saw me drop to 192nd from 165th. Uh, X did better, but still not great, fair uh, to say, mate. 27 points, uh, seeing him drop to 172nd from 155th. Uh, um but in terms of the fantasy league, it was quite close between us this week, which is surprising considering I didn't even fucking play it. But X got 65 points and I got 61. Yeah. Any comments you want to make on either of those at the weekend, mate? Um, prediction leagues have really helped by you getting a terrible score because I've been massively off form at the moment. Um, 27, you did get unlucky as well because you had um, leads. You traitor to be the first, the quickest goal scorer. Yeah, I, I was, I was shocked when I saw that. I was like, what? why is he I put didn't that? Fancy it, mate, you know? I didn't uh, fancy it. And, and for those first five minutes, I thought I'd, I'd called it. I thought yeah. we, I, I personally thought we was going to lose that game. I thought we was going to lose it going into it because unbeknownst to me, um, moving to a flat back four was actually going to work for us. So I didn't think it was. Um, right. and, and I really, I didn't see a result there. I, I mean, before the game, I'd have bitten your hand off for a draw. That's how pleased I was to get the win. So, yeah. no, I did predict the defeat and, and I thought they'd come out of the traps flying and, and score the quickest goal. And they very nearly did, didn't they? Well, you got, yeah. So you called that. And, uh, you know, when I saw that, I sent you a WhatsApp message <laughs> of like a, someone smashing plates up because they was enraged. And then, and then ironically, <laughs> Newcastle scored in the first minute. So then you got a, a dancing um, a little picture. But, uh, yeah, so it was very unlucky, to be fair. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was... Yeah, happy to be top of both. Like the fantasy league, I don't even really check to see how you've done now. Like I said, the bookies have already paid out, but the, yeah. the prediction league is the is the yeah. one that is the is the real interesting one. But people I notice keep joining still, so people yeah. are listening to it. They need to pay their twenty pounds because I'm not. <laughs> but, uh, but people yeah, that's keep right. joining it, so. Yeah, yeah, no, it's right. I, I love it. I love the game. I love the interface. This isn't a se- uh, me selling it, by the way, but I genuinely enjoy doing that every week. You know, I love the interface. I think it's easy to use. I like the point system. Uh, I like the banter with you, and I like to see how everyone else is getting on. You know, because it's uh, it's interesting to see how different people call different things. I mean, at Scotch Curran, I mean, he must have mystical powers because he's 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 starting to piss it now. Um, it? Yeah. I think he's about, I think when I checked, he's got to be about 150-odd points ahead or 200 what, points ahead. Second, of second place? Sure it was, yeah, unless I've got that wrong. I'm sure I looked at it earlier and he's he's starting to walk away with it. This guy, um, if he'd put I'm money on his predictions, he'd be absolutely minted right now then. 
Oh, he would be. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. So he's absolutely smashing it. Uh, to a point where I am actually going to quickly load this up. To have I'm a look. loading it up now. I might be ahead of you because I'm... Yeah, have a I'm, look, mate. I'm curious to see what he's got because that is unbelievable. If he's got... If he's 100 points ahead because that must... Oh, my phone's taking ages, mate. You might want to try it yourself. But, uh, yeah, it is, that's unbelievable because it's... Um, he must have, right, we've got so many things right. Yeah, he has. Um, and my phone's taking forever as well for some unknown reason. So in yeah. the interest of people being to switch off. Right, let's move on. Um, and we all know what we're going to move on to. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way Podcast Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. You had to know that when Wingstop set out to make a crispy, juicy chicken sandwich, they wouldn't make it in just one flavor. They'd make it in all 12, like lemon pepper, mango habanero, hickory smoked barbecue, and OG hot. So why have one new favorite chicken sandwich when you can have 12? Try the new sauced and tossed Wingstop chicken sandwich today for only $5.49 at Wingstop, where flavor gets its way. Valid for a limited time and available at participating Wingstop locations only. While supplies last. Price subject to applicable taxes and fees. The, is it morning yet? Deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.